0: Hi, my name is Alen, I am a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers. In the 46th episode, I spoke with Maya Itkonen, an industrial designer and successful entrepreneur, which makes her a great fit for this show because we wanted to explore how designers can start companies in this intersection of design and business. So in 2015, Maya co-founded Golden Green Foods, the company behind a phenomenal success story of the perfect protein food, and its first product pulled oats. So pulled oats is a new kind of meat alternative based on the Nordic superfood oats, and it's a product that became a nationwide and viral sensation in Finland. So with Maya, I talked about her rocky path from a design school to starting companies, how and why Golden Green became a nationwide sensation in Finland, and what it means to start and run a purpose-driven startup. If you're also thinking of starting your own company or just want to learn more about business, I also suggest checking out the 7-day mini-MBA that we've put together for you. So it's a 7-day, each day one email introducing one business concept that's relevant for designers. So you can check that and subscribe on um, beyondusers.com. And now, without further ado, here's a conversation with Maya. So, Maya, today you're known as the founder of Golden Green, right? But I wanted to ask you, like, where does your entrepreneurial story start? Where did you start? Uh, because that's not even the first company you started, right?
1: Mm, yes, hi. Um, I think this is a, a quite complex question, <laughs> because I actually think that almost everything is somehow entrepreneurial. And especially uh, for me, I think that, yeah, it's very hard to say where it starts, because in my case, I almost didn't recognize that this was actually entrepreneurial. Um, yes, yeah, so I have a little bit different background. I actually studied music after the, after the high school. So mm-hmm. I went to the music university. The main thing was that I was really trying to find out what is my thing you know that what what is it really that you know I would be very good at, and like you know where am I good at and like where is it so that I could find some people who can actually like you know lead me to like deeper realities of something that is that is like an like a totally uh, like a territory where nobody has been before, et cetera et cetera so um yeah, I went to study music because this is something what I had been doing all the time. Um, and I thought that, you know, it's kind of like I, I, I met some very, very, very good teachers who were able to actually lead me really nicely. Um, well, I'm not sure if I ever thought that that's the only thing that I should be doing. But anyways, I I, I did and I was very determined as a student. So I always finished everything what I started and like I, I was like, <laughs> like very, very passionate in, in whatever I touched. But then at some point, while I was like uh, still studying and working as a musician in, in different places, I, uh, I, I decided, okay, now I will actually go to the design school because this this is another thing that always have, has been there. And what I felt that it's kind of like an area that I understand and, and what I would like to do. So, uh, yeah, it was quite, quite a lot of like exploring. But but really when I, when I got the design i i really thought that you know now i was already over 20 so i thought that i, I actually have to have something that totally makes <laughs> sense i cannot i cannot be floating you know so i cannot be studying something like is half artist you know that, that it needs to be something that is like a fully in a pathway to, to something that is, is going to be good as a profession so i immediately i picked this program i saw that hey you know this uh university of art and design uh helsinki they are part of this program called uh like international design business management which is already mm-hmm. like you get the deep profession in the design but then at the same time you also study in other schools so you study in the in the business school and the technical university so i thought that this is really fascinating that what like it's actually that design is never in a vacuum. That it, it's kind of like an, it always has to have this connection to the to the real other other parts of of business and life. You know, so in a way, the idea that design's meaning is to actually be uh, kind of like the interpreter of uh, consumers and human beings' needs, mm-hmm. so that the technology and, and business people actually would would understand. Um, Yeah. So that was kind of like a long, long answer, but I think that in general, I always kind of like have had this feeling that, or, or the thought that nobody, nobody is responsible for giving you anything. You just have to do it by yourself, Hmm. that you're responsible by yourself of learning new things, learning things that are, are actually needed for the, for the new areas or managing your own time and managing your own project and managing that you actually do the learning and and gain what what you're supposed to gain and this kind of like responsibility to 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 kind of like a take action on something that you truly believe in so uh, it's so funny i mean where does it come from but i never kind of like thought that it's somebody's task to actually employ me and give me give me give me salary Mm. for for me doing the job so i always thought that it's like how could i ask somebody to do that you know it's my responsibility to to try to solve my own things
0: you want if you want to get something done do it yourself kind of right
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly so i i think that that is something that is like very like a inner inner like a born things but it's of course also that like how to really get an impact really have an impact on something that you believe in and and also like uh how to get like like how to get some like a different future to be there if you see Mm -hmm. that it's there it is a fascinating thing to think, think about that hey i can actually have an impact if i believe in something yes i can actually i can i can actually like a do something that that makes makes this a uh, different future p- to be a little bit closer.
0: So what was maybe one of the first projects which would show us this thing? You were talking about, if I think, I c- if I see something that could be better, you know, I can actually do it and have an impact. So what would be an example of what you did, what came out of this mindset?
1: I actually think that this is basically like Something that the design students, for example, they don't just recognize. They all have that, but they just don't even understand that it's there. So basically, like every project that you do is almost almost like that. You know, like when you, when you have like these uh, design courses at the university, that's basically what you have. You're trying to envision what is it and then just just do what you're supposed to do. Basically, the only thing that is then lacking is, is the funding, you know, to get somebody to <laughs> to, to make it reality or, or the time, because then you have 10 other projects at the same time. But I think that the mindset is already there. So, so that's basically what the design education is all about, to teach. Yeah. But then, uh, yes, it was actually like one of the last courses that I took at the university. Uh, when I when I uh, started to think about that, hey, actually, I would I would maybe like to have my own company. So I, I I had this little common misunderstanding that you know entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are just people who are like only thinking about money and only thinking about it. okay, how can I make be like very rich and you know, like what would be a <laughs> business idea that would make me fi- rich and famous. So when I when I got like a little bit over that and understood that entrepreneurship is actually about like making making the having this impact and and like like making things happen so then when i realized that i was immediately okay yes i i I want to have my own company so then i founded this uh, power kiss company that was well it was a little bit early so you can only now see that this wireless charging is actually starting to happen like for example in in uh, Apple phones, you actually ha- already have the wireless charging built in, and, and so on, and it's used in in many technologies now. But in that time, it was more like just a dream of the future. And uh, I, I started to think about that. You know, would it be actually possible to to have uh, like more integrated uh, charging systems? That you know, when you have your 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 uh, devices. On the coffee table, or bedside table, or meeting room table, you just put the devices there; they would be charging by itself. So this was my nice my, my dream—quite uh, futuristic to say. But well, wh- when was, was
0: that? What year was that? It
1: was a uh, uh, 2009. So uh, oh yeah, that was yeah, futuristic. Like, <laughs> yes, eleven years ago. So um, then, then actually. In in a way, time was good, you know, because uh, we had this Nokia company that was still like very famous for the cell mm-hmm. phones, but they were already starting to see that like you know things are changing, and they were kind of like getting rid of the people who were the like the early developers. So, for example, we got the guy to the team who had been designing the whole charging system for the first cell phones ever. Mm-hmm. So so it was like super super excited to have this like older experience and know-how and then this totally futuristic thinking anyways we were running that uh, for a few years and then we got acquired by an uh, american israeli company so then i was working for a couple of years in there as well after this deal so just uh, traveling around the uh, tel aviv new york helsinki tel aviv new york helsinki (laughs) So, so a lot of time spent in the in the airport. Um,
0: but let, let, let me yeah. stop you there just quickly to yeah. go a little bit deeper. You were saying that in a design school, you had this mindset of that entrepreneurs are just caring about numbers. just caring about getting rich. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, is this something, and you said that then when you got over this mindset, when you understood that entrepreneurship is about having an impact, mm-hmm. that you started creating your own company. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, like, is this something that you learned in the school? Like was design school the one that tried to put you, put uh, and push its students into entrepreneurship by giving you this different mindset that hey entrepreneurship is actually good, or is this something that you picked up on your own like was it the school's hmm. fault or your fault?
1: Yeah, actually, I think unfortunately on that time the school was like very very like uh, you know left uh, left mindset, yeah. uh, oriented and there was a lot of lot of that type of uh, uh, kind of like a spirit in there. And it was also so that because it was like an art school, you know, that's, that's a great strength that the design was located in the art school. Mm-hmm. So that was, of course, you know, like in there you have a lot of, a lot of kind of like also this type of people who are thinking about that, you know, like uh, the creation is more important than just kind of like the, the commercial execution. Um uh, so yeah, it, it was kind of like underlying there that that entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is not good. <laughs> and then it just yeah, there was also like times were changing already. So actually it was just that time that uh that um the, the management or leadership of that, that university on that time they already had been started to think about that they really should be joining forces with the with the other uh, uh, like a uh, academies you know the the business school and then the tech- technology university because innovation is really not only about having yeah. you know this uh, kind of like a creativity and and that that mindset but actually you have to think about the like a larger larger reality so it was just that time and and i was actually like a taking part of that Creation process of the new university. So there was like a group of very active young students. You know, like we were founding these different labs, like labs of uh, uh, next generation product design and so on, where we already practiced this type of uh, interdisciplinary and collaboration based, uh, like a way of doing. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of like our manifesto. You know, mm-hmm. that that design is a, 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 like an integral part of this innovation process and it's not only about the art side
0: and then when you got the idea for power kiss where did you get the money you know you said like you need some investment to to make it happen where did you raise the first round uh
1: yeah so this was we were we we got the business angels so Mm -hmm. that that was one thing and then um then we also got like some uh uh, like a uh, governmental uh, research funding, that was of course like a very very important part, and then also some, like a partially governmental owned uh, VC and that sort of thing. So so yeah, we got like from many sources, but I think that actually in the very beginning it was it was very creative. You know, I was just thinking about like, what are all the possible ways where where could we get some 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 more funding? So we went to develop a different. Um, like uh, uh, like foundations, for example, that you know, there was, we, we covered that. Okay, there's actually quite a lot of foundations out there who don't know where to put the money, and they had like all yeah. kinds of awards. That you know, like a foundation for female entrepreneurship, and foundation for for f- f- furniture design, and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. That okay, like, what could be the, what angles could we get to actually have? these different sources of funding. So especially at the beginning, absolutely, you have to be a little little bit creative because it's not so that you can just walk to a VC and say like, I have this crazy idea and please give me some money.
0: I have to imagine that it wasn't that common and that in 2009 for designers to start companies. You know, like developers were starting companies and business students were starting companies, but not that many designers. So was it hard as a designer to... A just being in this space, and B also going back to raising money. Like, how did people on the other side of the table table look at you?
1: Yeah, and especially when you're a female designer, yeah. so you're like like so strange. You know, you're 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 a woman and you're a designer. And it's like oh, like everything is so strange. <laughs> but in a way, I think actually that. Yeah, you're right that, you know, it it wasn't very common. Um, But at the same time, it's also that, you know, it's, I also learned that it's, in a way, good to be a bit different. Because when you're a bit different, then everybody wants to listen to you. It's like when you have like 10 people who are just the same background and kind of like similar way of approaching, and then you're the only one who is different. It's like, well, let's at least hear what the different one has to say. <laughs> so that was good. But honestly, I mean, it, the, the, the times change a lot. So, for example, thinking about this uh, gender equality, also at the, at the entrepreneurship, it's definitely got so much better. Because after that, there's been a lot of studies and like, like real scientific studies that companies founded by, by women are performing better in, in mm-hmm. statistics. They're performing yeah. better than the companies founded by men, and companies that have a designer in the founding team are actually performing better than the ones who are like only like a homogeneous uh, solid uh, business background. So yeah, it's actually like uh, you know, it, it, it's like taking the taking your oddities as uh, strengths. That's maybe the thing.
0: Yeah, that's that's super important. Like you know, figuring out what is unique about you and playing on this strength. And I noticed, like, in your resume that you've also been, like, uh, after you merged with uh, the, after you sold the Powerkiss, uh, what was the, the the acquiring company called? Mattress, pa- Power pa- Mattress? Pa-
1: Power mat pa- Power mat Power Yeah, mat. yeah sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Power Matt. Yeah. Exactly. So you then transitioned to the brand role, like, right? So maybe tell us a little bit about how was that role? So how was going from being a founder at Powerkiss, then going to, Basically, working just on the brand. Like, were you happy with this? Or was this, did it feel like going back a little bit and working Mm. just on one aspect of the business?
1: Um, Well, it was maybe not so much about like just one aspect of, of the business. It was more kind of like that, what are the ones that I'm like mostly strict about, you know, that I wouldn't mm-hmm. let anybody else to do basically. I see. So, so that's <laughs> it. But I mean, of course you cannot just go to one side. You, I mean, I was still part of the technology and I was still part of the, uh, the sales processes and business and so on. Um, but yeah, that was actually like, I think actually that is, that is one thing that, that I, I quite clearly saw that, okay, this is, like the state of the art is not how I see things. like for example, the the fact that quite often, quite often um, brand is just put under marketing. But I really think that brand is 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 you know, if you think about that, marketing on its best it's actually like a taking some things and really effectively amplifying those and like finding the right channels and finding the right audience and speaking mm-hmm. to them. But you cannot be at the same time, just ultimately creating things because then, then you get too schizophrenic and you get like too inefficient. So mm-hmm. you actually would need to be, you really would need to be like, like a kind of like the marketing can totally focus on, on the amplifying thing. And then the kind of like design and brand is something that is happening, you know, like, like in your, in your head and you're, you're just trying to create something new. Yeah. So, yeah, it it was kind of like a tailor tailored role for me in that.
0: <laughs> and I think it also comes out now in your current company, your current uh, venture, Golden Green, right? This love for brands and this deep, really like detailed thinking about how you develop the brand and what stands behind it. So um, let's maybe talk about this a little bit. So first of all. What happened that you left PowerMath and started Golden Green? And then, you know, how did you think about developing the brand and the product? But maybe first, let's just start, you know, what is Golden Green and the, how, why did you start it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> day one. Yeah, so um, the thing is that I, of course, had been thinking about that. What should I do after this? That, you know, like, is this, is this something that I want to be? doing for a longer time you know we were part of the proctor and gamble and it was kind of like a little, little bit leaning towards the bigger 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 fields um but i really i really saw that you know this entrepreneurial approach is maybe not very good in the corporation in that sense because you are like too too much like a wild wild uh you know Art. wild part <laughs> so it's like you really want to see the the whole holistic view and you really want to understand the whole thing and it's like if somebody tells you that okay you do this you're like but how does it make sense and like why would we do this if we don't have that And like it's yeah it's maybe not like very very nicely fitting into a kind of like a corporate environment so I started to think about it okay what should I do I was also thinking about that if I would just take a job, my mom would be a lot happier. <laughs> like, <laughs> not to feel that, okay, yeah, what is she doing now? And what is it again? But then it, I, I really, well, I'm not kind of like a new age person or anything like that, but I still feel that, you know, sometimes there's like magic touch on the entrepreneurial thing. And, you know, there's in this, in this business ideas that they just somehow they come from somewhere. It's your subconscious mind that is like, preparing those things for you and you kind of like feed feed a bit like saying that i want this and i want that and a little bit like this and it would be good to be a bit more like this and you kind mm-hmm. of like load your mind already with this thinking and let's stop there for a second because i actually think that this is something that uh it's it's great and being a little bit older you know that you you can actually trust your subconscious mind that you don't have to like actively force everything out of there you can just you can just give the command and say like okay please solve this for me whether it's a small thing or a big thing but you just kind of like give a command that okay le- please come with the solution and then after a little while it it just it's ready your mind has has prepared uh, give us an example for
0: you. like how does it work
1: i mean it's, it's it's actually like sometimes i even do so that i even write it down that i i want a solution for this and then i don't even. I don't bother at all my mind with that. I, I just leave it there for a week, you know, and then it then it comes automatically. So it can be like it it can be it it can be a really small thing that okay, what is how should we call this or or uh, what is the relation of those two and or or how to uh, like where how how to find a logic in in this formula or. Or it can be that like, okay, give me totally different, a totally different type of an idea because I cannot continue what, what I'm doing now. Just give me give me something. And it comes from there. So I, I actually think that this is something that it's it's really part of like a growing to be a designer, is that you actually have this. Resource pool in your mind, you know that you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't really have to actively like start from the white white canvas and be like, oh gosh, I don't have anything, and now I'm forcing and stressing it out. So, anyways, uh, what happened was that I kind of like, yeah, I was I was reading this uh, uh, story in the in the New York Times about fake meats, and then I started to be like, oh, that's so cool, you know, somebody's really thinking about those things, and. I really have been never eating meat and I am a, I'm a true lover of veggie veggie movement and so on. I have been that like that for like all of my life. Um, and then I started to think about it. Wow, you know, this food tech, it's it's like super cool, you know, kind of like, what, would it be possible to create new kinds of food? So it's a totally, like, it's very exciting field because it's not something that you normally even consider as a designer. You think about that, that you're just doing things that are like a uh, tangible and you know like uh objects. Yeah. But how about food? Because actually, if you start thinking about that, it, it's one of the most important parts of our lives. That you know, it's not only about that you choose a nice package or like a very practical uh, uh, like a package or how you control your, your calories, type of things, or like uh food delivery systems, but actual food, that's actual substance. So it means so much, like the whole life cycle of that food and what you put in there, what makes you feel good, like in your body, but also what makes you feel good in your mind and what do you want to be is actually very much connected to what you're actually eating. So Mm -hmm. it's such an important part and it still like hasn't been seen as something that you could design. So when I was reading this story, I was like, it was kind of like ringing a lot of bells in my mind. And like, you know, this is a great approach, but I just hate the idea of the fake meat. So if it would be something different, if it would be something that actually solves the problem, not just tries to mimic something. Mm. And then it became like a tsunami, you know, that, wow, you know, it has so many aspects that this uh, whole societal uh, problem that we have that like we are forced to eat the meat people are forced to eat the meat it's not about that they wouldn't they they would necessarily want the meat but it is just it, it is just there like you know we still have this body of a caveman that requires the energy intensive foods and like all of these calories and they really get addicted to that and then when the meat is just an automation it just brought to you but if you would see in front of your very eyes that what is it actually causing? You know, all these uh, environmental problems and this uh, animal ethics and uh, um, like also what, what, does, what does it do for your body and like what kind of like illnesses does it cause? Mm-hmm. When you would see everything in front of your eyes, you would be like, whoa, I don't want to be part of that. So it's kind of like this this dilemma that was there. And yes, then I was starting to, starting to envision that, you know, if you would have a meat alternative that is actually based on something that is really, really, really nice and good and has the halo of a good thing, not like not just like a mimic or substitute or fake, all of these things. And then I started to, then I started to plan this um, meat alternative that is based on the Nordic, good Nordic ingredients and, and especially the oats. And yes, this was uh, starting, and then I then I uh joined forces with a couple of uh, food di- food uh, scientists. So I got like a one oat scientist and one uh, legume scientist, and then we founded the company all three. And the thing was that I was taking care of everything else, and they were they were they were taking care of the technology. So that was kind of like the role division.
0: So in 2015 when you founded the company what was the landscape of let's call them alternative meats what was the landscape of this uh business uh community or business space yeah
1: Mm. so in finland in our own home market there was nothing so there was tofu well some strange trials of some tempeh this and that was there and maybe some uh, soy strips you know the old soy strips that mm-hmm. the dry ones that you actually have to soak and then you make the food that was that was there but the market was really sleeping so so the category was not existing and uh, internationally we were looking at a lot about this beyond meat that was beyond meat had been there for a couple of years already and uh, they were they were like some of the there the, the basically had been the market for this kind of like a special diet section because it was special diet, you know, that there, there was always a group of people who couldn't eat the meat. So there was the the soy sausage side, you know, that, that had been there for a couple of like maybe 20 years or so. But then this boom was not at all there. And we actually thought that our thinking was that this is going to be like a niche product, and this is going to be this is this is definitely going to be something that that in Finland, for example, there's no market for. So we thought that it's definitely not not the good good way of starting here in Finland. Uh, we thought that we have to find this group of small groups of hipsters in London or Berlin or some other uh, big city like that. Um, but then it was a big, big, big surprise that suddenly the 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 Finnish press was picking it so well, you know. It's like it was it was so hot, and we, you know we were in all the TV channels and like all the all the papers, and like people were totally crazy about this product. So suddenly it was like a really really big boom. And uh, yeah, maybe taking two steps back was that because we actually were developing the product in our small cake bakery. So we had rented a small cake in the Helsinki downtown. Um, and you know because uh, I, I'm I'm very keen on you know like uh, this this lean lean design process for example that you actually try to you, you try to illustrate the, the, the situation that it would be in the future and try to kind of like build it to be as authentic as possible. So we were we were actually like packing this product to, to in in our little uh, packing machine that this tiny table packing machine we were packing it. And then we printed the sleeves in the printer's house, and then we were just by ourselves putting some tape on it, and like, like really trying to make it look as authentic as possible, and try to kind of like envision that if this product would be on the market, what what would it be like? Would people understand it? Would they like it? Would they would they be ready to actually like it, take it as as a product? Well. I mean I have to say that I was maybe a bit naive in that sense because I really thought that this is how you can do I mean that you 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 can actually go and like try out your stuff in the real life but nobody was thinking like that they were just like I saw the product it was there you have the product so it was impossible for anybody to understand that it is not a product it was just you know our our beta testing, basically, that we, we were just trying to make it look as authentic as possible.
0: So you had a store and in this store you were testing how you need to position and package and talk about a product. But there was no product yet or was there something you could uh, buy?
1: The, the, we, we had the product from our own little cake bakery, but we were able to maybe produce like one oh, kilo a day or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so it, it, it was not possible. It was so, so small. So um, that's a really good
0: approach, like having this store in the city center just gave you a really nice platform to be testing daily to see how you need to uh, improve the recipe and also position and talk about the product, all of that stuff. So this was the
1: plan, but I mean, it it really failed miserably because the product Uh was sold out in two hours always. (laughs) So we were trying to test different things, but it really didn't work out because it was people, then it started to be like a viral phenomenon. So people were tweeting about that It's going to be there. And I saw it was still (laughs) 20 packages left and the others just ran there. And and at the end of the day, they were just queuing. In the worst case, there were 200 people queuing when they knew that 100, 100 boxes is coming. So it was entirely crazy. And it's like, they went in front of the shop like 7 a.m. to sit, you know, just to be wow. the first one to catch it. So it was totally, totally crazy. Um, and then, you know, I, I mean, yeah, it's like, I would recommend everybody to kind of like use this lean method to actually like uh, visualize what is going to be the future. But at the same time, my own experience is that what happened was that like I just ended up with a total mess that we don't have the production and they're expected to have the product.
0: Yeah, but like on the other side, you also created a lot of demand and buzz around the product. So in a way, it was very successful, right?
1: It was very successful. But at the same time, I mean, some people actually thought that we had like consciously planned it like that, mm, that we exactly. wanted, to, wanted to kind of like fool them a bit, that we wanted to fool them by saying that like, oh, we don't have the product for you. I and, mean, you know, kind of like <laughs> created the demand in that sense. But it was totally honest. And I mean, then we were just telling to everybody that, Please understand, this is the case. We don't have the product yet. You just have to wait, and then, uh, yeah, we then then we got the, the the factory factory quite close to Helsinki downtown, like about half an hour from Helsinki. So it's like a like a proper food food facility. But then, yeah, we were we were able to kind of like get the first not industrial process, but kind of like something that could be closer to the industrial process, in in co- just a couple of months, we were able to actually deliver the first real products from our factory. And it's so funny, you know, because after that, it has taken about three years to finalize it. So, you know, it's still like, even if it took only a couple of months to, to, to get the first uh, batches, but in real life, it takes the three years, you know, to have the mm-hmm. automation and all the logistics systems and, and everything in there. So that's so, quite a big deal.
0: Let's go back to this virality factor. I'm just curious, like, do you know why it took off the way it did in Finland? So when you introduced it to the market, why was it such a phenomena?
1: Yeah, it's a very, very in- interesting question. And actually, I mean, I'm quite happy that we even conducted that like, somebody was doing a master thesis of that. So it was it was just a right time. I'm very happy that we actually got that project on because then there was somebody who actually really collected all the information and all the kind of like all the all the media hits and so on. Um, but yeah, there there were a few things, and I think that first of all, absolutely, it it has a lot to do with the fact that people were waking up to this environmental food thinking and the sustainable food thinking so there were many people who actually never had even heard about meat alternatives mm-hmm. because it was like a very it it was like a very early stage market in, in finland that meant that they were not like overly kind of like a yeah so 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 this was still something new to even have a meat alternative in the first place but then there were many other things like for example the fact that it was made of oats it's something so positive and something kind of like so Genuine and authentic, and like that. it's the same time, it's it's trendy but traditional. You know that it's it's like a grandma already told you that this is something what you should be eating. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's also something that like because people are trying to get rid of wheat, they are seeing that ah, but your oats could be good. So that's one thing. But then, of course, the other thing was that. It was so charming that you know it was just a small company with the with the founders with their own faces and names. And so, so they were really speaking truth. It was not like a meat giant, for example, who kind of like yeah. developed a new thing in the laboratory. But it's also that many people actually told us that they were fascinated with the idea that somebody's really trying something. And now we're getting back to this entrepreneurial think that you know mm-hmm. you have to be take the responsibility if you want to have the impact so that was something that people really like to hear that there's somebody who actually wants to put herself on the line to really have this impact and try to make the world a bit better place so, yeah, I think there's kind of like positivity that that you know yeah, like, and and you're really doing what you're saying, you know mm-hmm. now you're telling the story, and next time you're telling exactly the same thing, and you're honestly telling what has been the proceeding yeah, but still, I think that it, it it's also like a lot of lot of good luck, you know like a lot yeah of the timing right and good timing, and like you're just uh yeah like you're not just you're just right on the time that it's, it's not like a little bit late or a little bit early, but you're just exactly right on the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is actually good is that the the market has been growing so much after that. So it grew like 700% in the same, same year. And then after that, it has been steadily growing. And now there are actually Finland has a very mature uh, meat alternative market. So it's actually a very big shelf with all kinds of meat alternatives. And, and sometimes people are asking that, ah, like, what do you, what do you see? You know, like you created a space for everybody in the field Mm -hmm. and now the big meat companies are doing exactly what I was was saying about, Uh, but it's actually, I I really think it's so good. You know, it's not that they are competitors, but we are all fighting against this. What I was saying, this uh, design problem, this societal design problem that people are forced to eat the meat, but somehow when there are all of these happenings and, and suddenly all, even the meat companies are interested in acting on this field and really like, you know, mm-hmm. creating these better products.
0: So you were talking a lot about honesty, you know, you having a story as uh, three uh, founders creating this, not a big company creating this. And a lot of that ties back into our conversation about the brand. Mm-hmm. And even before we started uh, recording, you said that you spent a lot of time thinking about the branding of, of this product can you mm-hmm. walk us through, like, how did you think about creating the best possible um, position for Golden green in the market, not just in Finland, but, like, worldwide? Mm.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, we have been thinking a lot about, like, really from the early start, like, what is it that people are actually buying? So, like, uh, like put, putting your company brand first is actually a route that, uh, it's not necessarily very efficient and and very very like a, um, yeah like, like it's very expensive and it's not very efficient necessarily. So to have a totally new kind of product that is carrying this like a uh, this uh, brand elements of the authenticity and the honesty and just what you were saying. So it all, all needs to be bound into the. Into the product brand, and in, in this case, in this case, we see that uh, calling the product as pulled oats is is very important um, because it is something that you actually more or less have to call the product off. So, if you would let's say that you know you're making you're making tacos, and then in the restaurant, and then you're saying that hey, okay, I'm serving tacos with oats, nobody mm-hmm. wants to do that because then you're giving an, an you're, you're given an impression that there would be oatmeal in your in your tacos and so on. So we were we were we were trying to find a name that actually like a brand name that actually could be nicely fitting. That it's it's possible to 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 be something that sounds a bit delicious and sounds a bit kind of like it brings your your mind already to the to the protein uh, sector. And of course, it's also about that. Like, how does it sound and so on? So, for example, the fact that there's already the word like rolled oats, you know, the oat flakes is kind of rolled oats. So when you have the pulled oats, it's quite easy to, to say and it's it's quite easy to kind of like, it, it sounds like a real, real name for mm-hmm. a thing. Of course, it has had some challenges, uh, especially because some trademark... Trademark um, authorities sometimes have been claiming that it's descriptive, that it is really pulled oats, and yeah. it, it cannot be a brand. It, it, it must be just a, like, a, like a common known and, and name. Uh, but then we actually have been able to so far say that, it, first of all, it's very much attached to our product. There's nobody else who is able to do that, and it's a patented product. But then also... It is not really pulled. If you think about it, what is oats? You know, it's the, it's the oat flour or the oat grains. So there's nothing to pull. So mm-hmm. we actually have been like we have been making that structure from those ingredients. It's not the vice versa that you have one chunk like you have the meat and then you start pulling it. Mm-hmm. So, but but these are complex questions, and and especially now, you know, when we are developing a brand further we are introducing new products it is all the time you have to think about it what is now and what is in the future so this brand hierarchy is definitely not an easy thing
0: yeah and what was the thinking behind the gold and green as a like the main brand like the main name
1: Actually, our first company name was Oat Kitchen, so we <laughs> <laughs> we had that Oat Kitchen as the first name. But then, when we were actually starting our operations, we saw that Oat Kitchen is just like it's kind of like it's it's like a small and 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 uh, cozy and charming, but it's it sounds like too small. So we actually want to have something more, like something that sounds a bit more like 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 something that could be growing into a big thing Mm -hmm. so the gold and green those colors are coming from the our uh, perfect protein which is the main main thing that we we have so you have you always need to have in order to have the perfect protein uh, composition to say nutritionally you need to have the perfect amino acid composition you always need to have the grains and the legumes it's like yin and yang you know the grains and legumes so we were thinking about the golden fields of oats and then the green gardens. So mm-hmm. that actually comes the green bean gardens and the golden oat fields. So so they come together. Then you get the perfect protein and that's the, that's the field of the golden green. But yeah, we of course, we wanted to be a little bit like, kind of like a bit more distant, you know, that it wouldn't be like a full mm-hmm. oats company. We'll pull roads foods or something like that. We didn't want to
0: have that. Yeah. So Maya, as someone who is also designing your own company, right? So basically you're designing also how, not just the brand, but just in general, like how does this company uh, work, the business model, the strategy, and all of that stuff. And as someone who is running a purpose-driven company, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of what we talked about is based yep. on the impact you're trying to have in the world. How does this being very purpose-driven Drive the decisions you make in business because sometimes from the outside can feel like that these two are like in you know playing against each other. Like you want to have more impact, but maybe this means you need to have lower prices, which is bad for business. So how do you try to balance these two things—the impact and the business?
1: Mm. I mean, personally, I actually do think a lot that that um, the, the, the business is best way to have an impact because then you're generating the profits, and then you're actually like a, putting more fuel. To your 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 this substance that you actually want to have to impact with so that's definitely the, the, the first reality but then indeed it actually starts from the very roots that you know if you would say that okay you have like a, a mineral oil company and then you certainly want to say that this is a purpose-driven company it would be very difficult to kind of like invent it on top of it but once you actually have the freedom to really create exactly the company that you want, like starting with the impact is actually the, mm-hmm. the best way to ensure that the impact is is there. And actually I mean I think that the impact, the, the purpose purposeful, the purpose drivenness, it's actually making life easier in a way. Because then you never need to think about. It. You never need to think about that, oh but you know, maybe we would take this shortcut or or if we would kind of like still played a bit less transparent in certain ways, but you just don't have other choice. And especially Mm -hmm. in our case, we've been seeing that many times, sometimes it's super annoying that, you know, people expect everything from us. It's like, isn't it enough that we did this one thing? Why do we have to solve all your problems? It's like, (laughs) like, you know, why aren't you more advanced in this and that and that? And like these small things, like, like how to serve like all special diets and like how, how to, how to kind of like make sure that each and every person everywhere could be actually having an access to the product and eating it. And why aren't your packages more like this or more like that? But it's like, well, you know, sometimes they even want us to solve the, the kind of like a, the national agriculture dilemmas. That like what should be I the see. European Union farming? It's like, well, we don't have a real impact on that. So this is not in our hands. But sometimes it's like you know, when you're purposeful, purpose driven, you're supposed to solve all the problems. So it is something that comes as a consequence.
0: Yeah, but like even having a company can be a start of the movement, as you said yourself, like you created this category in Finland, mm. and then many more companies jumped on the, onto that. And you being purpose driven also can help other companies think the same way. So that's, in a way, it's also the, this impact, even though one company can't solve everything, right?
1: Yeah, but it's also possible. It's actually also possible to think about that, like at the end of the day, not everybody needs to even be purpose driven. If to say that, there is the, like, if somebody just sees that, hey, there is great business in here. Like, mm-hmm. why not? You know, actually, I think this is something that has been happening a lot already, like to say the burger joints and those kind of, that, like, they don't necessarily really care about it. But why not? If your co- customers want to buy the veggie burgers, then you make the veggie burgers, you know? So it's yeah. actually so that it, it like, not everybody in chain need to be really that much purpose driven. It's imp- there's somebody who is purpose-driven and then the then the consumers are following it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you told us that you had a huge boom in Finland. So what is the plan now to go into, how are you planning to go internationally?
1: Yeah, we already sell in quite many countries to say like 10 countries or so. So it, it yeah, it has been, it has been starting very nicely now. Um, and what I would have told you about it, how long did it actually take to finalize the, the factory and so on. So one big part of that is actually Mm -hmm. to make sure that you have the ability to actually transport your product. To the overseas markets, so all of these freezing capabilities and the f- freezing logistics, and possibly like uh, tempering the product, so you sell it frozen, and then it's actually uh, thawed at the at the destination, and then sold from the from the cold section, not the frozen section. So all of these things, there are a lot of lot of lot of things that you actually have to take care of. Um, so. Finally, we have been able to do that. And yes, now we are entering the bigger market. So uh, just uh, started the U.S. Uh, operations as well. And uh, yeah, and one really nice example is Taco Bell that we have been working with Taco Bell in three countries now. And they just, uh, published, they, they just published about our collaboration that this is like their international international menu item. This thing, they call it outrageous tacos, which I think is fantastic.
0: Also, like how do you once you make a decision to go internationally, you also have to make a decision who you will sell to.? Right? One way is to sell it in supermarkets to end consumers. Another way might be just direct to consumers if you have local um, warehouses. Um, but there are other options like restaurants etc so that's also a very interesting like business design question like yeah. how do you make a decision who you sell to so I was just wondering how did you go through this process of figuring out who you need to sell this product to initially
1: yeah we were actually like from the very early start we were thinking about that the food service is the first first uh, like a uh, channel that it really needs to be like that because like educating people consumers for a new item it it takes a lot of time and especially when you go to the retail market you really have to take care of all kinds of a lot of uh, product tastings and uh, and and the kind of like advertisement it's basically that you're you're buying your way to their hearts you know mm-hmm. through the through the paid advertisement because otherwise they wouldn't wouldn't know you um but then what happened in 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 finland was this like i told you this viral phenomenon that was basically forcing us to go to the retail so we had no other choice because they were just mm. they always put like a higher and higher guy calling us so it's like come on it doesn't help we still don't have the product but we were just forced to actually do that first which was, of course, great. You know, we got a lot of lot of experience and we got like a lot lot of learnings. But now we kind of like got back to the back to the original idea that uh, the food service is actually a very very good way of of uh, like starting the business in, in different markets. And um, I think, yeah, there there are a few things like, for example, yes, like educating the consumers. It happens a lot easier in the food service. Like you can think about your your own behavior. That is it's much easier to actually try a product when you when you just buy your own salad. It sounds good, and you order the salad, and then you eat it, and you like it. So that's that's so easy compared to you know you would need to take a decision to actually cook a meal for somebody mm-hmm. and, and like can I do it and is it going to be good and and all of that. So so that's that's one thing, and especially I think that. This whole movement, this global movement of the plant based food, that actually has been like um, having a lot of lot of impact on what type of food the restaurants are ordering, so everybody has the need to give something that is that is plant based works nicely in the dishes, uh, not made of soy, not made of wheat gluten, and all, all of those restrictions. Mm-hmm. High protein content, clean label, like all of these. So there is a big need in in many restaurants to actually serve something like that, and and uh, yeah, it's it's even even in the areas where there's like very dominant uh, meat consumption still on, even in there. The, the restaurants just have to pick something that that is plant based because there's always somebody in the in the group or company that doesn't want to actually eat the meat. Yeah. So it, we see that it's a it's a very 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 good way of of starting a business and 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 really also allowing us to learn more and, and see more that what what is it that we how can we better serve.
0: Isn't one challenge if you go down the road of the food service? So servicing restaurants and hotels, etc. Yeah. Isn't the problem also that your product is in a way hidden from the consumer? I mean, obviously they eat it, but sometimes they don't know which brand they're eating.
1: Mm, uh, yeah, it, it is It is possible. But I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing, you know, because if you go to your lo- beloved restaurant that you you really think that they are able to serve you something good and then you just eat it, you basically get used to it. And, uh, it's, it's like, it's like part of your, your normal diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then of course, in, in some occasions, it's very important to be like a part of the menu. And this is now getting back to the brand question that it's actually good to have a brand that has a very, very easy way of, of, uh, describing the product. So it's, it's not so that you like, they would need to put your brand, blah, 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 blah on the menu but you can actually just say that this is a pull dots taco made by the restaurant this so yeah. it's it's there, there are like a very very sensitive balances in that what is what is branding and what is just helping the consumers to understand
0: yeah more and more i see how how good of a decision that pull dots was especially yeah. when you mention it how you can easily integrate it into the menu Yeah, right? it just fits there right? you can say like you said pull dots Taco or pull out um salad or something like that, that yeah. works really nicely and uh,
1: especially you know when you are to say that you know like a, a regularly the plant based options have been this for example the soy and wheat gluten, mm. so if you want to kind of like show that this is not that, if you just say that this is plant protein salad, most often it is based on soy,
0: yeah. and
1: it's like okay, I don't want to take it because i don't i don't, I don't eat the soy, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, it is just making life a bit easier.
0: Maya, I think your story is very fascinating and very inspiring to a lot of designers who want to have impact also, maybe to start something on their own. So yeah. to I wanted to ask you also, if you have any tips or advice for designers who are going onto this road of starting their own business, what would you tell them? Like, what are the things uh, that you had troubles with and maybe you want to share to others that they would have an easier path starting out?
1: Mm. yeah the team is of course most important, so yeah I, I definitely do remember uh, in the in the early days when I was studying my first company I, I had this amazing professor pierre Abetti by the way he 's now turning uh, one hundred years this year, but he wow. was about eighty nine or something when when I was on his course. amazing guy um but he said that like it really doesn't matter you know like if you 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 have your own strengths and then you would always be able to like find a knowledge on the other topics so it's most most important who do you team up with so have the right people around you uh, and also kind of like make sure that you know it might be that you don't have the same skills and you're like having very different backgrounds but just you know, when you feel that you can actually have a good time with those people and you really enjoy their company. So maybe for the designer, this is also, it sounds so simple. But if you think about it, many, many these young designers are actually only thinking about that. I hate this type of people. I don't want to be with those business people. You know, I only want to be surrounded by creative people. And yeah. That's a common mistake. So you actually want to have people who are not having the same skills. Don't duplicate yourself in the team, but actually have people with different, different skills and different backgrounds. So there are great people out there who actually are able to, to help you and who also appreciate a lot the fact that you have you have this ability to create. It's, it's really the rarity, you know. If you have a great idea, if you have a way of creating solutions – This is the one, this is the thing that really, really, really matters. There's always ways to create the the business solutions around it once you have a really great idea. Even technologies, it's possible to build if somebody really knows what they're searching for. Because technologists, they are like, they are really, yes, they're also creative, they're also inventors, but they don't necessarily know about the purpose what is it that we're really doing and why are we doing it? Should it be like this or should it be like that? So when there's somebody who is able to, to kind of like show them the way and, and like uh, paint the picture that this is what we're doing, then they can do miracles. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that, that's one thing. But then, of course, you know, when you go along and, and like uh, go deeper, also challenge yourself that you're, you have this ability to learn, that don't block yourself in a corner. Saying that like, oh I'm not a number person, I'm a visual person, because it's the most stupid thing you can ever do and and you're just uh you're not doing a favor for yourself if you're you're claiming and and like uh, telling your, yourself the story that you you cannot understand the numbers. Why couldn't you understand the numbers? Of course you can so say just understand what are your biggest skills and strengths and what is your 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 uh kind of like what you can really give to this this whole game but then also understand that you have a full ability to really discuss also the other topics and other aspects and and make sure that you understand the whole whole picture
0: how did you learn to read and work with numbers
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean actually I think the people are the most important things. You know once you really get to work with a total number cruncher who understands all these different formulas and like all the are have this ability to make amazing business models and these uh, different scenarios when once you actually start working with that kind of person not just so that somebody's sending you the excel and okay read it thank you but more kind of like that you work with them and you mm-hmm. see how the people are actually doing it. And, and you see that it's like art, that somebody actually has this ability. It's so fascinating. And it really, it's really, it's motivating a lot to see that like, what, like how, how great specialists you can actually have around you. And then once you actually start getting in there, you, you see that it's actually like really exciting. It's, it's not boring. Normally, don't. people are seeing that things are boring when they don't know anything about it. Yeah,
0: know? I think curiosity is the great first step. Once you have curiosity, it's so much easier with everything.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yes, exactly. And it's also like you know, curiosity is is easiest to to be achieved through through other other people, other team members. Mm-hmm.
0: So Maya, where can listeners find more about Golden Green, the pullouts, you? So where can they find you and the company online?
1: Okay, so uh yes you can find maybe the shortest one is gg.fi. So that's the shortest we have many email addresses, but if you go to the gg.fi, there you can also find all the all the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and everything else. So yes, we are we are doing a lot of things these days and getting many things done.
0: So gng.fi it's only like G- Finland.
1: G- G-G, not G-N-G, but Uh Uh G-G. Got it. Okay, cool.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Maya. That was really amazing. Thank you for sharing your story, your experience. I think we all learned a lot and are inspired to create our own stories.
1: Yes, and actually I, I would still like to end by saying that never forget that people are there to help you. So when somebody wants something and somebody is eager to get something, there's always somebody who wants to help you. Like anybody would like to help you when you come with a passion and you really, really have an idea. So, I mean, you can even you can even find me. I mean, if you want to discuss with me about something, I would be more than happy to continue discussion. So, it's this is always the case that when you have really something, you have a passion. There's always somebody who wants to uh, talk to you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Maya. That was amazing. So that's everything in today's episode. If you have any suggestions for more designers who are founders and to feature their stories, just write to us on uh, LinkedIn or to me on email, which is alan at beyondusers.com. And again, if you want to learn more about business, do check out our 7-day mini-MBA, the free email course you can take on beyondusers.com.